welcome to Geek Card, right here on geekcardshow.com. Now here are your hosts, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome to Geek Card, where you've been out running, we've been waiting half the night. I'm your host, Andrew Young, and with me as always is a slightly flustered Mr. Green. That's, yeah. It's like the entirety of my biography is going to be a slightly flustered Mr. Green. There we go. There we go. Always a little slightly flustered. Uh, Always a slight bit of flust happening. Yeah. The sad part is, is you know that that's not a bit. No, I know. That's like so not a bit. It is. How many times... Actually, it's probably easier for to say how many times you have seen me in, either in person or here on, uh, you know, like through the camera in which I haven't been flustered by something. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It is always. It's funny to me. You you come on and you're like, oh, where's where's this? Oh, oh, where's that? I'm like, dude, it's the same place it always is, but it's all right. You're going to find it. You're going to find it. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like all of it, like. I swear your brain just disappears and goes, I'm not going to remember anything. Yeah. It's okay. Not... That's yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Brain. Yeah. You win this round. <laughs> okay. <laughs> damn dirty well, thing. We're going to try to remember the rest of tonight as we can, at least for the next 60 minutes or so. We got a great show for you tonight, folks. Later on in the program, we're going to be talking with a uh, choreographer and movement director Heather Laura Gray about her work on a number of uh, musical movies and uh, probably even some of her time working as the choreographer on Riverdale. So we'll be talking with her about that. We've also got a TV review coming your way. The first three episodes of Reacher season two have dropped on prime video. And so we're going to be giving our spoiler free review of those episodes. Will it reach or will it overreach? I know that joke was a bit of a reach. Bit? What can I say? What can I say? My reach exceeded my grasp. But anyways, uh, we've also got in a few minutes, you're going to get to hear another interview that I did uh, actually earlier today with uh, a young actor from Germany, Flora Lee Tiemann, who uh, she got a, a part in... The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, but also has popped up in a number of other things that we end up talking about in the interview as well. So overall, a sprawling night of dance, movie, television, and Mr. Green being slightly flustered. Still. Still. You're doing okay right now. I'd say probably for the past 48 seconds, you've looked perfectly calm. (laughs) That's because I just pretty much just gave up. I just said, fuck it. There you go. There you go. Well, we're not going to say fuck it. We're instead going to say stick around because we're going to have our first commercial break right now. When we return, you'll hear my interview with Flora Lee Tiemann right here. Geek Card, geekcardshow.com. Hey, everybody. Jimmy the Short Order Cook here, asking you, what's better than listening to Geek Heart? Answer, listen to Geek Heart while wearing a Geek Heart t-shirt. And there's a place you can get them at tpublic.com slash user slash Geek Heart. We got a bunch of great shirts there. We got Geek Heart shirts. We got a Mr. Green's Tasty Meat shirt. Hell, we got a Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. For all your geek needs with your geek merch... You want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geekart. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Geek Card on geekartshow.com. Now back to your host, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, folks. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. 
in just a moment, you're going to hear my interview with Flora Lee Teeman, uh, one of the actors from The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, but also a various number of other projects as well. Um, but before we do that, I just want to remind you folks that if you enjoy this amazing quality entertainment we bring you every week, there's a place you can go to help us out. And that's patreon.com slash geekheart. If you go there and you sign up, become a geek hardigan over there, you'll get access to a commercial free version of this very show. And access to all of our old archives. You know, if you're like, oh man, I wonder where that episode of Geek Card went from five years ago. It's on the Patreon. So if you want to go there, sign up today, become a Geek Card again, and get access to tons of cool things that are not available on the general interwebs anymore. Or general. That's what I said, general. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all right. Yeah, one of my favorite characters from G.I. Joe was General Hawk. He was great. He was great. Really liked him. I had his action figure. It was uh, very uh, versatile. It was. It was versatile. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, but now we're going to get into my first interview of the evening. I got a chance earlier today to talk with uh, a young actor, Flora Lee Tiemann from Germany. Um, she made an appearance in... The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. But also, if you're if you're on Prime Video and you've checked out the German series The Griffin, she's got a major role in there as Sarah. Plus, she's got some other stuff coming up as well. We talk about all that and more right here in this interview. Let's take a listen right now. Welcome to the program, Flora Lee Tiemann. How's it going? Hello. Everything's all right. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. It's a nice, uh, nice afternoon here for me. I know it's, it's more the evening for you, but, uh, but yeah, things are going all right. Now, of course, the Hunger Games about a Sombergs and Snakes came out just last month. Big film. Uh, you get to have a small role in it as, uh, as Livia Cardu, who's of course one of the students at the academy. And, uh, yeah, it's a, Big, exciting type of film, the, the opening scene with all of you. Like, what was it like shooting that big scene where you guys are watching the reaping and finding out that the game is much more, you have higher stakes in it this year than others? No, the whole experience was really, really crazy. I think um, it was always really um, powerful to be in that, that big group of students and really feel that capital vibe because um like it's this wealthy um society which enjoys the games and is really sassy so it was crazy yeah now has that been like because you you of course you've been acting since forever but uh was this probably like the biggest, most expensive set that you've been on before? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what was it like, you know, like when you went, when you stepped onto that set, stepped onto what would be seen as the capital in the film and everything like that, did you feel like, again, because this is something from your childhood as well, did you feel like something special? Like, oh my God, I'm actually in a, a mythical land that I've seen before. Yeah, I think I think it was really special and different to whatever I did before because it was a story or a universe that we all knew before shooting. We knew the stories you heard about the Hunger Games or you even watched it or read it. So it is something familiar. And then standing in the set, like actually being in that world, isn't experience yes so it was crazy and it's super different from when you are shooting a project that is completely new to you mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it is uh it was really exciting and i was really grateful to have the opportunity to see that yeah oh, very cool very cool now you're no you're like you're no stranger to you know this sort of dystopian or fantasy type stuff of course you were in the griffin uh came out earlier this year 
uh, watching that show, like, again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a, a tad bit older than you. So when I'm watching that show, all the music of that time, because it's like, it takes place in the 90s. It's like, that was my high school. So it's like, <laughs> the soundtrack on that show just takes me back. Doing a show like that, where it does have some fantasy elements, but is essentially a period piece. How cool was it for you to, ex like, find out a lot, of, maybe find out for the first time about certain stuff from the 90s? Oh, I, I always love to shoot in different times because I think this is one thing I love about acting so much that you have the chance to um, get to know a time period or worlds that you actually cannot experience in your own life because I was not born. So yeah. it is so cool to have the um, opportunity to be in a set where all the props, the costumes, the music, for example, the people, everything is um, like related to, for example, the 90s. So it is really, really nice because, of course, you hear a lot about uh, different times from your parents in school, but it's so crazy to actually be in it to pretend to live in it for example so i love playing in different times yeah totally yeah now the things the way things were left in that first season there with sarah she's not i don't think she's too happy with uh, the way things have gone in the situation uh what did you like best about playing sarah like with sarah's like what's your favorite quality of sarah's Oh, I think she's a really strong girl. So, I mean, it is quite hard for her coming out of a household that is um, really strict and you don't feel a lot of love or empathy. So she kind of needs to find her own way. And I think it's interesting because it's shown that she um, actually in comparison to her friends also, for example, has a lot of money, comes from a wealthy family, but is actually really unhappy. And this is expressed also in how she treats the people around her. But um, what I really like about her is that she has some kind of um, development in in the season and that she actually um, tries to change something which is hard when you come from a background like that um but i what i love about her is that she's really like straightforward and strong and um also that she expresses her pain in this um kind of way is interesting to me because i'm totally different privately so it's interesting to play characters like for example sarah who goes in that um dominant direction yeah yeah, no, Sarah's definitely a, a dominant type. She's, uh, but yeah, they, the, you really did a good job of displaying the vulnerable insecurity and how she tries to like shield it with that kind of tough confidence and everything. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Sarah's arc in the season. Uh, some great work. But uh, now there's another film, there's a film project that you have coming out soon that, of course, in other interviews I've heard you just referred to as, oh, it's an art house, I can't talk about it, but it was just announced a couple of days ago that it's going to be playing at Film Festival Max Office Prius as uh, God's Kinder, Children of God, where you play Hannah, and it sounds like in this you got to deal with a lot of, like, really deep emotional stuff here, you know, going up your feelings, clashing with your faith, the uh, the desires, love, things like that, maybe not going exactly in the line of your beliefs. What can you tell us about Hannah and Children of God? Um, I think this is like one of the biggest challenges I ever had in playing a role because Hannah is so, so different or comes from such a different background than myself because she grows up in a um in a family that um is i i don't know how to uh describe in english perfectly but uh, okay. like is really really christian okay and very devout christian family got it yeah and um 
this is why also her values are related to that. But then she also has uh, feelings like, for example, she falls in love in the movie or her brother falls in love too um, with his best friend. So he kind of discovered that he is homosexual, which is also um, something that in their religion, in the movie, in that kind of cult um, is not accepted. So both the children deal with um, their feelings mm, that they can't really express their feelings or live with them because they clash with their values they you know from home. So it is a really sad um, story. And it's, it is one of the most beautiful scripts I've ever read. So I love this project and um, it is, it was really interesting to dive into that character because um, it is in extreme direction that, that privately I didn't have anything to do with. So mm -hmm. it is really interesting to um, try to get into that kind of persona. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I feel like, you know, you, you've, again, you've been acting since you were like a little kid. So of course, at the age you're at now, you're going to want to be taking on roles that have like, you know, deep emotional connections, like where you can really explore different people's struggles and the family drama and how these things connect together. So is that something that you're more actively seeking out in future roles to having something, something as deep and as hard hitting and as a challenge as this film? For sure. I think this is the most um, fulfilling thing to do for me in acting to have the chance to tell stories that I think are important, that really touch people, that move uh, people, maybe help people or, um, or yeah, give a reason to think about something. And um, also to connect to my own emotions and my different parts that I have in myself it's really interesting to go into extreme characters that have nothing to do with me privately, but then you recognize, oh, but this little part in me then comes out new before. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, finding finding the common ground between you and your characters. That's that's fantastic. I've always I've always really enjoyed hearing actors talk about the, how they get into a character and how, you know, when they find that common ground, how that kind of unlocks what the character's all about. So yeah, it's very awesome. I'm looking forward to it eventually. Once the film gets out to other markets, I know right now it's gonna be Germany first, but eventually when it gets out more internationally, I look forward to checking out that. Uh, will you be attending the premiere at uh, the festival in January? Yeah. Are you excited about that? Yeah, I'm super excited. I I am looking really forward to also seeing the movie because I haven't watched it yet. Right, so. right. <laughs> that that must be like it must be kind of frustrating that it's like a lot of times because I know when you started doing press for the Hunger Games stuff, you hadn't seen the film yet either. It must be frustrating to <laughs> people are asking like, so what's the movie like? And you're like, I haven't seen it yet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but I mean, with Hunger Games, the thing was that I, I mean, I had the chance, but I wasn't in Berlin mm. while they were screening here for us. So, yeah, it went, it, but it was okay. Yeah, but then you eventually got to go to the London premiere. And what was that experience yeah. like? I'm guessing it was pretty, pretty glitzy glammy. Yeah, but it was so, so beautiful to see everyone. I didn't ex um, expect to see so many people being in London. So also like Americans and Germans. So it was really, really nice to be all together again, at least some of us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Of and course. also it's crazy in general to uh, experience such a big premiere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, London. The London premieres are pretty, pretty big. Definitely, that's, but that's that's very cool that you got to experience that. Um, now, going forward, is the hope that maybe eventually you'll be doing more international films like The Hunger Games in the future, or are you really focused on telling you know personal German stories for your countrymen? 
Um, no, I think I'm, I want to do both. For me, the most important thing is that I, I mean, if I could choose, I would uh, like to um, just play stories that are important to me and that I think are beautiful, no matter if German or internationally. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, well, I hope, I hope you get that opportunity. From what I saw from the Griffin, you got a lot of range. It's, uh, it's exciting to see where you might go in your the future of your career. And I look forward to seeing more stuff like that and uh, hope you have a, uh, a great time at uh, Film Festival Max Office Prius uh, in January. Thank you. So that was my interview with Flora Lee Tiemann, really nice young woman and uh, looking forward to see where she pops up next in the world of entertainment. Uh, but right now, you know what we're gonna do, Green? We're going to take a commercial break. That is correct. Good for you. I see. I'm on board. I see. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. All you, needed, all you needed was like a break, like a good like 12 or 13 minutes to collect yourself. Now you're right on right on cue. Yeah. Now it's now I'm I'm even slightly less flustered. There you go. There there's you always go. a constant state of flustering. But there is a decrease of flust going on right now. That's right. That's, at that's at least 50 percent. And we hope that there'll be even more of a decrease when we come back from our commercial break. Geekard, geekardshow.com. Hey, remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy? What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. Well, we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Card on GeekCardShow.com. Now back to your hosts, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Hey, folks, we're back. It's Geek Card. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. Shout out to the old man working the boards tonight. Hey, you know, I do what I can. You know, uh, at one point I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we just really raised the volume on one of your mics and turned down the other one? I tried that out. It was hilarious. You're welcome. Cool. It is cool. No. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's what all the kids are doing these days, you know? Oh, yeah? Just, yeah, they're turning just down one mic and turning up the other, yeah. Just randomly, maybe a little extra interference. You can't always hear what the other person is saying. Sometimes they like to rub things on the microphone too. I've noticed, like, oh, yeah. like and stuff like that. That's like yeah. really popular. And then they like, whisper, they whisper, and they say, "Hey, hey, I'm talking in your ear." And then they rub things. Sometimes they eat stuff, but I don't like that. Yeah, that's that's uh, AMSR. That's, uh, that's or it, or maybe it's ASMR. Yeah, yeah. You it, said you it said, could be. It could be. The, it could be either. No, it's uh, ASMR. There, uh, you know, I'm hip with the kids. You're not. Uh, we just proved yeah. it right here. No, it's just you know whatever. It's it's just it's noise. It is noise. It is noise. It's apparently soothing noise. I don't find it soothing. I find it ingratiating. But whatever. Who knows? Maybe we'll have somebody else to talk about that with later. Yeah, actually, I, I think so. I think there might be a certain guest that we have later on who has certain thoughts about ASMR as well. Oh, she, yeah. there we go. Like, I hope you guys should see what I'm doing here. I'm foreshadowing for you guys. See that? Yeah, that's that's yeah. why we pay you the big bucks, bud. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you pay me the big Canadian tire dollars. And can of beans. Oh, the beans. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. Those are good beans, I tell you. That's, that's, that's. That's why we like working with you. I'm going to go crack a can open right now. I'll make sure I don't hold it over the board, but no guarantees. All right. And there he goes. Oh my gosh. But uh, I think it's about time we get into our review for this evening uh, of the uh, TV show Reacher, the second season 
first three episodes have premiered on Prime Video. The uh, series uh, is developed for television by Nick Santora. The episodes directed by Sam Hill and Omar Hada, or sorry, Madha. Written by Santora, Lee Child, Kate Duffy, Scott Sullivan, and Penny Cox, and produced by Amazon Studios, Blackjack Films, Paramount Television, and Skydance, and of course distributed by Prime Video. Here to read the synopsis is uh, a good friend of ours, the good old Jimmy the Short Order Cook. Hey, how's it going there, eh? Eh? Good, you doing you? good? I'm, yeah, doing I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. We yeah. got you got all your Christmas decorations out. Uh, yep, yep. They're all at, well, almost all out. There's a couple things not out yet. Oh, you got to get them all out. You got to get them all. I have, I have my house fucking covered from head to toe with lights. You can see my fucking house from the moon. And that's the way you got to fucking do it. Yeah, okay. That's one way. Happy fucking holidays and all, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. That is definitely a way. No, it's the way. No, it's a way. Sometimes I wish you'd go away. Right back at you, bro. Oh, oh we starting something here? We starting I, something I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. You, you're starting something. Oh, Merry God, fucking you, Christmas. You know, everybody talks about you, you know, the Mr. Green's tasty meats. How about some, how about some big beady men slapping meat, huh? Oh, huh? oh you want big beefy men slapping meat? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on the freaking highway right now. It's gonna take me a while to get around your fucking lakes, but I'm gonna get to your house. Oh 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 you think you can participate in big beefy men meat slapping? No, bud. I'm sorry, you're you're too small for that. No, I'm not. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, you're just we. You're just we. Just we you don't you gotta fix your fucking camera, boy. Fix you're like your three, fucking camera. You're like three apples tall. Uh, you, you, you need to, you need to like, you gotta stretch. stop watching on a cell phone, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyways, you know what I fucking like, though? I fucking hate you, but you know what I fucking like? I like the, the Jack Reacher. I do. He's pretty good. You know, when retired military officer, police officer Jack Reacher is arrested for a murder he did not commit, he finds himself in the middle. That is not what this episode's about. That's the first season, isn't it? It These is. fuckers gave me the wrong fucking thing. What it's about is he's in a freaking, he's, he's looking for guys from his former unit who are getting bumped off. And him and the ones that are still around got to fucking figure it out. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's a, that's a yeah. pretty good synopsis. Yeah, and you figure out what you're going to do in a couple of hours, son. Okay. I'm Get waiting. Get ready. Get I'm ready. waiting. I'm on the front porch. And there he goes. Uh, Green, you're not on the front porch. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, my God. He's a, oh, he's, spicy. He's a, scary, he's a scary guy. I don't know if you'd want to antagonize him like he's that. Spicy. That's okay. Whatever. Oh, my God. Well, let's talk about Reacher Season 2, Green. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were a big fan of Reacher Season 1. Yep. And uh, now Season 2 has come along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will say, before we get into any of this, Alan Richson is thankfully size appropriate for Jack Reacher. Because yeah. that was always the, the dumb thing about the Tom Cruise movies. It's like... Nobody, you can't buy a five foot five guy acting the way Jack Reacher does, you know, especially someone who's also, he's not, he's not very muscly either, you know, whereas yeah. Alan Richson is just a wall. Yeah. Well, like you it, guys, you guys are fighting about big meaty men slapping meat. There's a big meaty man right there. For sure. Like, well, one of the descriptions, like one of the infamous descriptions uh, in the books about Jack Reacher is that he his fists are like two coiled hams. Yeah, right? they're like gigantic hams, they say. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's like and you look at Richson and it's like, yeah, I could buy that. Right. Whereas like Tom Cruise all in is maybe still, one. <laughs> still not the size of a ham. No, he, like he's like a quarter ham. Maybe corner game ham. Yeah, That's what he is. <laughs> Compared to the Richson, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jesus, that man, that that guy, I think he's 6'3", I think it is. 6'3", or 6'4", something like that. Like, he's huge. And he weighs, like, 
260 or something like that. Like he's just nothing but muscles. Yeah, he's five feet wide with all his muscles for God's sake. Yeah. Like th- that's why I love the season two poster and it says reachers back and it's, and it's, it's just it's, his it's, back. It's, yeah. it's literally his back and his back is like the width of the post. I'm like, yeah, that, that yeah, you, is- could, you could project a film on that. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, no, I was uh, I was super excited uh, to to hear that uh, season two was uh, was getting released in, you know, this is a few weeks ago now. Getting, it was coming up because I, I, we've talked a little bit about this, you know, but it, it just it still marvels to me about how streaming services lately, especially uh, over the past like three to five ish years, how there pretty much isn't any build up to to releases anymore. It's just kind of like. Oh, and by the way, it's Friday. Here's a new show. Oh, mm. here's a new movie. You know, like yeah. something that they like we knew was coming, but you have no idea when, and then it just appears. And uh, that was kind of how I felt about Reacher because it was about three, I think, or four weeks ago. They finally said Reacher's coming December fifteenth. I was like, oh, okay, that's a little, little bit of, little bit of build up. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Anyways, so we start watching it. Um, I was a big fan, like you said, season one. Especially like I enjoyed the cruise movies for what they are, but it's like when you understand and look at this show, when you understand what Reacher can be and should be, then you kind of have a different viewpoint on on cruise as as Jack Reacher, like as you pointed out, right? Like the guy's he's five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. And, and he played it like Tom Cruise as well. Like he yeah. and that kind of like for like in your face kind of thing, whereas Reacher is like judging by this and remembering stuff that I, I know about the books. He doesn't need to do any posturing because no. of his size. So he is actually kind of more of a man of action than words. He doesn't say he only speaks when he needs to. Right. And Richson does because like you and I have talked about Richson few times over the years, different projects that he's been on, you know, going back to Smallville and um, when he played uh, like even at that time, a ridiculously he's he's much bigger today than he was back then. But still, even then, a ridiculously huge Aquaman. Right. Like oh, yeah. he's just massive. Um, but then you look at him, uh, you know, in Teen Titans uh, where he plays Hawk, which is I thought was also, you know, a great role for him because, you know, Hawk. It should be a giant man meet, you know, mountain too, right? Like that, that makes perfect sense. So uh, uh, he also was in that episode of new girls, the guy with the micro penis. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, no, he's, uh, I, uh, I've really enjoyed him as reacher. He, I think he's, this is the role that's really, he found the right role for him. You know how, like, we've talked about this a lot, you know, like directors, writers, you know, and actors especially. Sometimes they just find the right project. And it's that's the thing that opens the door for them. And I think for Richson, that's Reacher. I think he really, this is, he's a bit of a coming out here for a lot of other people that, you know, may not be familiar with him now. But over the last couple of years, season one was a lot of fun. And uh uh, coming into this, you know, what's cool about it, if you, if you guys are listening at home, if you've never seen season one, you do not need to worry, right? Every store, every season is its own story. And it's, they're not contingent on knowing the history of the previous one. Yeah, there's some references, right? Like a couple in there, but for for real, you don't need to see season one to understand anything that's going on in season two, um, other than, some additional context is no different than like, re, like as uh, re, uh, anybody who's read a series of books, uh, like a Reacher series, every novel is going to reintroduce the character yeah. and they're going to reintroduce a lot of the key factors along the way. And it's always up to the good writers to do it in such a way that you don't feel like you're being talked to again and again and again going, Oh yeah, this is this, you know, you do find yeah, the interesting well, case way. in point. The first season was based, I believe on the first book. This mm-hmm. is the fifth book that the second season's based on. So it's yeah. like, it has the ability to jump around because each book is very separate. Yeah. Yeah. And like in, in like in this, they talk about, uh, they do mention season one's storyline briefly at one point, just as a time reference. And it's pretty much real time from when they filmed the first one to when this one comes out. It's two years. Like there's the gag about he he has it right down to the day. He just remembers. Um, but it's been like two and a half years since that first story. And, uh, you know, and that's cool. 
you know, it's it, it shows progression and age and all those things. But also, like, to your point that you could always go back in in between those two points and do another story. Right. We don't know. Yeah. So coming into this, uh, much like Jimmy said at the top about the description of it, as simple as it was, it's, it's pretty straightforward and effective. You know, we we do find out in the first season that he is former military police. Anybody who's familiar with Jack Reacher knows that he's former military police. His unit begin start the show starts with the death of a character who, as it turns out, is a former member of his unit. Yeah, the special investigators. Yeah, you don't mess with the special investigators. No, you do not mess with the special investigators. You definitely don't. And yeah, because of this, you get you get an ensemble cast kind of built in, which mm-hmm. you know quickly brought uh, introduced in flashbacks, but now we're seeing them kind of filter in mm-hmm. into the story in modern times. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's a, a diverse group of people. And I don't mean that just on gender and, and race and all that nonsense. Like it's a, it's a diverse group of characters, right? Yeah, like every we, character is a character. Yeah. Yeah. They've got their own like, and, and what I also liked about it, of course, is that they've all got their own special set of skills. You know, like you've got your uh, like from the A team, you got like a face like character. You've got, you know, like a numbers expert, like financial expert, you know, uh, there's sharpshooters. There's, you know, guys that, you know, know how to deescalate, like no problem. You know, like there's all those. And then there's Reacher, Mm -hmm. who is just nothing but man meat. Like every time he walks into a scene, he is literally the focal point because the dude is a million feet tall. He's a million feet wide. And the way that Richardson plays them, like there's a scene and I think you'll remember what I'm talking about here in, I think it's yeah. In the third episode where he's in the police station and I thought they were going to replicate the scene from the first season where he's uh, in that one, he's zip tied because they didn't have cuffs big enough for him. But in this mm-hmm. case, they actually have cuffs because it's New York. And I kept on waiting for him to Superman it and like break the 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 cuffs open. I felt like he was going to do a break the cuffs thing as well, but I'm kind of glad he didn't. No, because that would stretch credulity, right? There's like yeah. human beings cannot do it. It's reinforced steel, right? Like it's hardened steel. That, that's that's not how handcuffs work. Yeah, it's only if you're Haku that you can pull that off. Yeah, it's a really cool gag, obviously. But he doesn't. But again, he doesn't need to do it because in that scene, even though he's bound, you can totally tell he's the number one guy. He's the scariest dude in the room. And that's all perfectly cool, you know, because he's he's scary because he doesn't need to be scary. Yeah. He's always calm. He's just, you know, and that's something. And that's something I love about the Reacher character and where I think Richard really excels is when he just the way he delivers all of his lines is like you can really buy the fact that. He doesn't need to punch everybody in the face. Mm-hmm. You just know that he can. Although I do love, I do love the line. It's actually in the trailer too, but it's like uh, uh, one of the other uh, members of his crew says something like, "You know, did you have to hit him so hard?" And he's like, "I only hit hard." You know, mm-hmm. it's, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's who this guy is. He's got yeah, one speed. Totally. He's got one speed." Yeah, and like as you mentioned, this is kind of the you mentioned that this is most likely going to be his breakout role mm-hmm. and i think that's that's fitting because this is the kind of the role that he should play cuz for the past number of years he's been typecast as like the prick character mm-hmm. and i feel like he's not that believable as the prick character whereas here i feel the strong silent type really suits him i think it works yeah. he's much better in his his movements than spouting off a bunch of like lines and stuff and trying to sound pithy. He's much more believable as somebody who just does a lot of subtle uh, nuance to the you know facial expressions and things like that. And he's backed up by a uh, you know a great cast here, of course. Two former Geek Hard guests, mm-hmm. Maria Sten and Shannon Cook, are both in the show. And uh, of course, the uh, the lovely Sorinda Swan is also in the show. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you've got you get like it's a fun little group, and you've got you've got like I will say the villains they're a little bit cartoony, eh. you know, because Robert Patrick these days is just kind of like he's really like he's in the Eric Roberts the phase of his yeah, yeah 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 I like him I still like him and I did it was a bit pulled me out of the show but I did I still got a little bit of a chuckle about the Sarah Connor joke yeah the Sarah Connor joke actually works though in the meta realm because when he goes 
you know, I don't care about the, I don't care who the hell Sarah Connor is when, because it was yeah. an alias that was used. And it's true. The T-1000 didn't give a crap about Sarah Connor. It was just John Carter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just, Ooh. you know, but you're right, though. It, on the villain side of things, at least in these first three episodes. And Ferdinand Kingsley is AM. I'm also, he is very much not a lot of depth to him. He's more like cartoon nuance than like character nuance. Yeah, and I and again because it's going to play out over you know the eight uh, the eight episodes, and obviously he's going to be a bigger part of the back half of the show. Um, you know that might change slightly, but at where we are right now, it's kind of in that uh, John Woo face off, you know, like uh, kind of territory of a of a villain, you know, like mm-hmm. a little bit like to your point, a little cartoony. I'm hoping a little bit more out of that. Same thing with uh, with Robert Patrick because we both like Robert Patrick is is a half decent actor. It's just that. Like you said, he's just, he's kind of like in over recent the last years, couple of years, he's kind of been doing the same thing in everything he's cast in. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like here we're seeing shades of his, uh, peacemaker, uh, character as well. Like not, not a racist, but necessarily, well, we don't know, but I'm assuming not a racist. Um, but definitely just there's more like angry curmudgeon. You know? Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, whatever. But, uh, no, I, I think, um, these first three episodes, uh, I will say, do set up the show a lot faster than the first season does. I think they did take notes from that and said, you know, we got to get the ball rolling a little bit quicker. Not that the first season is slow by any stretch, but I think they do. Uh, they did take those notes and say, hey, we need to we need to cook for the the, rep- the return viewers like myself. Do you think there's a rule in uh, the the casting of the show that they always have to cast somebody else from Smallville? In each season as well. Right. The first season, there was Kristen Krug. This season, you got Sarinda Swan, you know? So, Well, and then, you know, and obviously, Maria Sten was in Swamp Thing, you know, but yeah, like, yeah. there's a lot of connections there. But yeah, I wouldn't be shocked, but it's not surprising. It's shot it's, in yeah, Vancouver. It's in, yeah, it's in Vancouver, yeah. Right, so. So, yeah. It's, so you're you saying know. people should check out the uh, the first three episodes and, of course, the, the rest of the season when it comes out? Uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 enjoying this uh, quite a bit, and uh, I'm hooked. I, I was just disappointed that we only got these three on the first go because I was just like, oh yes, yeah, sons yeah, of well, bitches. That's that's how they the way do they do it. it. Most of the Prime Video stuff these days, yeah. There's the odd one where they do the full drop, but most everything is three, and then you get week yeah. to week after that. Um, yeah, I had I had fun with this. I don't know if it's something I'd go out of my way to watch, but I thought it was fun. So if you're looking for something that doesn't require like if you want to just turn your brain off and just watch a show with some action with a little bit of intrigue um yeah it's definitely it's it's a it's a fun time we're gonna take a commercial break when we come back we will be talking with heather laura gray about her work as a choreographer and movement director right here geek hard on geek hard show Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geekard on geekardshow.com. Now back to your hosts, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to the program. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. We're coming up on the last segment of the show. We're very excited to have our next guest. She is a choreographer and movement director who's... uh, had a pretty big year. A number of things have come out. A number of films she's worked on have come out. Uh, Snow Day, um, Monster High, and Monster High 2 on the Paramount+. Plus. Plus, she's also had a number of years working on Riverdale and done a number of great projects. Please welcome to the program, Heather Laura Gray. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, Andrew. Hey. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, so, yeah, we actually... We, we've been planning to talk for a while now, but uh, we had to wait until a certain thing 
got taken care of, made sure that certain people were finally getting you know, a better contract from evil producers. But now that that's done, we can have a chat. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We all bre- breathe the sigh of fresh air there. Yep. For yeah. sure. No, no, totally. Yeah. It, it, it must be, it must be nice to be able to be like, to, cause I, I noticed that with some of the other, uh, you know, uh, uh, actors and actresses and people in the industry, it's like, we can talk again. You know, it's because everybody was kind of like holding back and being respectful of that of that process. But it's like, yeah, you can because obviously all of you guys are so super proud of everything you guys do. You want to talk about it, but you want to be union strong, too. Absolutely. And hi, James. Um, Yeah, I I just. uh, Yeah, it's it's your of course, there's a lot of like energy around it because you're like you said, you're holding back, but you respect it. And you just hope it all works out. Um, but yeah, it was, an, it was an interesting experience to have that where, you know, there is something to celebrate and then uh, you're just mute, you know? So, um, but you know what it brings to, it brings to light always, um, you know, in, in, in any kind of situation where you can't really talk about it, especially when you're developing it or working on something you know, you can't spoil anything. So it kind of brought that back and be like, okay, let's just continue with that thought process um, and just do the work. I mean, you're doing the work, but when you don't, you're no longer doing the work and you're just waiting for it to be received. Yeah, that was definitely a different kind of mute, you know, so. No, totally, yeah. Well, now everything's fine. We can talk about it, of course. Um, as uh, as was mentioned, of course, uh, Monster High, Monster High 2, for Paramount Plus, you worked with uh, those actors for that uh, those films, and uh, from what it sounds like, you guys you did things a little differently from the way you usually do it, where you actually had them in a boot camp for a couple of weeks at a time, and you know, uh, so it, so the idea was like learn the moves, then learn how to do it with all your stuff, all your your props and costumes, and then bring in the character to the to the dance. Is that how it worked? Yeah, I mean, it's it's what's interesting is like, you know, in, on even larger productions, like rehearsals can be anywhere between like six to five, four weeks. But they call us a boot camp because they're layering, you know, yes, all of what you talked about. But on top of that, they are doing, uh, you know, camera tests for makeup and um, costume. And like, there's so much. So they call it boot camp because they try and push it all together. So those actors are you know, going from rehearsal right away into uh, fitting to figure out makeup to like, it's just a lot for them to absorb, but they, they killed it. And uh, yeah, they learned like, you know, five numbers, especially the, the main, um, the main cast. And, uh, but yeah, that's how I try and layer it because the thing about choreography that a lot of people may understand or may not, but it it's, there's, they're like, they're like athletes in a way, you know, it looks so easy and it's, it's designed to, to look happy and easy and fun. Um, But these are bodies moving in space quickly and in sync. And if something's not in sync or if a set piece is not in the right place or a prop goes off somebody's hand or costumes get in the way, it actually presents a lot of danger. And, um, so it's a lot of that making sure that everyone's safe, especially too. They're dancing in these, especially for Monster High, these monster shoes that forget even choreography, just walking in them, you know, somebody like could easily sprain their ankle. So it was um, about making sure for me um, that they had the right amount of body awareness, that they had some conditioning every day. Um, you know, I'm there to design the choreography with the director. Um, but I'm also there to make sure that everybody, you know, makes it out safe and sound and hopefully a little bit more aware too of, of their bodies, you know? Yeah. It, it, you bring up a really great point. Cause I was thinking about this with choreography, right? Like a lot of people think stunt work is difficult and, and obviously it is right. But you're right. I think, but I think people might approach stunt work differently because knowing that, some of these things can kill you and things like that. But like as a person that has four left feet, I don't have two, I have four. 
I am horrible at, at I, I can't even walk half the time, to be honest. Well, because he's got those extra feet. It's really That's hard. Right. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it, great for stability, but that's about it. No. Um, but because of that, I also understand. And like, I'm not a small guy. Like, I, I'm 6'1". I am quite a large dude. I have to always remember that I take up space. And somebody who is smaller than me, slighter than me, I can knock over in a heartbeat and I can only imagine what it's like at, to your point at full speed dancing and, and just, and choreography is not just dance. Like it's sometimes it's just the movement of moving, right? Like it's not, cause that was something that I, I, I just always assumed choreographers were dancing, not just like, sometimes you need help, right? Like if you, especially if you're like me, if you're an actor and you have four left feet, like I do, you're going to need like somebody with your expertise, right? Yeah, like like there's there's actually so many layers to it. Like you said, there's the mechanics, like really just understanding how to connect with the body. And then that's different for every actor too, right? And then on top of that, there is, you know, the characterization of it. So for example, you know, you could think of um, like Elvis, right? To really understand what does that look and feel like? That came, that movement came out of a time that we don't, that music doesn't sound the same anymore the essence of what was happening at that time is no longer. And, and when, like the more and more I, you know, was living longer on the planet and, and observing movement and dance, it's like, it is so much to do about the character of that time of those, of those moves, like what came out of the music. So there's that. And then on top of that, yeah, then there's something like, let's say for monsters, we're adding in a, a layer or let's say like, you know, a planet of the apes or um, the last of us where you're creating like these zombies and you've got to create movement that can convey the story. It's not dance. You're right. And then, then you add, then have the, obviously the added layer of adding music to it and then saying the words, right. coordinating that it's, it's amazing. It sounds so simple, but it's, it's, it's a lot to, to put together, especially if you're using props and, um, you know, jumping on objects or tables or, or what have you. And you're trying to communicate the words of the song and the emotions of the song. So it's, uh, you know, like what Andrew was saying originally, like it is, we have to approach it in a layered way. Otherwise it's just too much information and then everything becomes just sloppy and it won't be clear in the frame, um, when we need to shoot. So yeah, we killed it in a really short period of time. <laughs> no, that's 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 impressive. And I'm just curious, like to follow up on that, you know, because I was just thinking about it as you were speaking is uh, how often I'm curious, how often have you had to work with a four foot left footed individual like myself? Like how have have you ever had to, like how many times has that crossed your past? Because like, obviously, I know a lot of actors can, you know, do the song and dance, you know, as the joke goes, but like. I'm sure that you've had a, more than a few that, you know. Oh, yeah. Would... Oh, absolutely. I, I have been, you'd be surprised because, you know, I think now there's such a diversity in like who's being selected for what. And sometimes they don't even realize that the story or let's say for like a Riverdale is going that direction to like musical theater land a lot more often than they expected. So, yes, I have definitely been there and it is, you know, it really made it clear to me, okay, how is this person, like, how am I going to teach this person quickly? How are they going to absorb it when there is no reference, right? They don't have something already that they've built like a language or understanding, or even like you're saying, connecting with their body. So a lot of that is, okay, you're going to stab the ground with this pole. Like you're giving them imagery to say like, that's how they're going to connect to that movement. And it's fascinating because it's pretty quick how they can just the whole body coordinates. It's like you're bouncing a ball and then you're reaching to grab the pole and then it'll be like, okay. And they, then they can understand that imagery. That's, that's some Mr. Miyagi shit right there. You know, you're right, like, yeah, yeah. Right. house. Like <laughs> wax on, wax off. Yeah, wax like on, the... wax off. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Cool. Literally. Yeah. Which, which, you know what it says is that that is universal. Yeah. So you could, yeah. Even even if you were, you know, working with somebody who knows counts and is fully trained and all that, they'll still understand that, too. So there's something actually really captivating about sometimes working with people who have never trained 
because a they're work they're going to work really hard to try and do what they need to do but then there's this essence of like just you know absolute going for it it's so urgent that i've seen some like really amazing things come out of people who yeah you know are not perfect for that scenario but they rose to it and what came out of it was amazing yeah now you brought up riverdale which Riverdale, when I look at it, is very surprising overall because, you know, from where it started as in sort of like we're going to take the the Archie kids but do like a murder mystery type thing. And then with each year they packed in, you know, drugs, crime, cults, all that. But they made sure almost every year to at least take time for some musicals. And you were involved in pretty much all of them on there. And each time they had a pretty, you know, strong thing they were working off of like Carrie or Heather's or Hedvig and the Angry Inch, stuff like that. So when you were brought in for these, how easy was it to incorporate these stories into the Archie world? It was really interesting because especially like with the writers, you know, and and, um, the showrunner, like how they were figuring that out, that, that puzzle was um a lot of fun to play with so it was like going to the source material of the original musical the broadway musical and then seeing and and like absorbing that and then applying it to these characters that we knew and i was starting to get to know really well um so every year it was more and more fun and and like they were giving us like greater and greater challenges to figure out how to weave them together but what I loved over the years was just keeping with that visual language. Like I, I got more, you know, confident in like how this was going to be captured and working with these directors. So it was, um, yeah, it was wild. It was so wild, but it was amazing at the same time. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I, I was thinking about this as well. Like when I was reading a little bit about you and, and, you know, and thinking about what you do as a choreographer, right. Like, and how, choreography you know is different depending on how you're presenting it right so obviously what you're doing on monster high and riverdale and things like that it's for a camera so you have to take camera angles into perspective and all that and work with dps and 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 the directors but if you're doing like musical theater or even say like something that's like like a street performance or something that's a little bit more organic that's like each one of those is different like how like how, as a choreographer on a film set, you know, do you change those expectations depending where, you know, whatever kind of projects you're working on? Like how, like, how does that work for you? Oh, I, I love how you said that change your expectations. Cause that, I think that that's what it's, I, I eventually learned. Cause I, I was so um, into being a performer and I was an actor and dancer and singer into musical theater. And then eventually was like, I've got heavy into um, contemporary dance, And because of that, it was, I realized, I was like, I want to understand all things choreography. Like, how do we get to, with even without a script, with just three-dimensional space and nothing in it, what do you want to create and why and how? So I kind of went on that journey of like, what does choreography really mean to me in all, you know, in all ways? Do I have, can I cultivate a, a way of working that, that does you know for me um connect to an audience and myself in those scenarios so for example if i'm creating a a contemporary dance work it's not it's going to be very personal to me it's going to be something that really comes out of my observations or it's more from more into like a visual writing if you can think of that way versus applying you know what i know uh to a script or story so, um, or, and sometimes like you said, it's, it's spectacle. Like you're, you're doing something that's just about some insane, you know, you know, party scene of some kind that's just, you know, <laughs> um, or a festival, or, you know, you look even at, you know, how to approach like dance battles, or you see like something like, so you think you could dance. So choreography is so much about what is this for? What's the encasing of it? And then how can I use my skill sets to, to really, it almost feels like acting to me where it's like, you're fitting into a character, you're fitting inside what this is. Can you, can you feel it from the inside and then make your choices that are you and collaborate with your, your director and DOP and 
and all that. So yeah, it's a different, I would say it's a different voice or it's a different way of getting to the end result because working for with live, anything live is such an incredibly different approach. Um, and I really, I respect and admire it like in either realm. Um, but I kept finding myself being very drawn to film um, with this added challenge or added, it made me it made me want to really just connect to dance in a different way. And I know we've been exploring that, you know, as ever since like dance has really risen to the forefront with some of these, like, so you think you could dance shows. Um, so it's showed up a lot more in narratives and I just love the exploration of, of how to connect to the dance or the musical theater um, in a, in a visceral way that doesn't always feel so um, yes, it's performative, but it doesn't feel so uh, like separate. And and that's actually what I really liked about Riverdale and that showrunner um, Roberto and, and the directors, like how we were trying to get inside and really connect with these, these actors along with, you know, carrying a story and creating spectacle. Yeah, no, well, the, yeah, it's, so as we mentioned, as we've been talking all through, there's so many layers to this, so many things that, you know, you you bring to it. It's not just one particular thing. You're bringing a lot of things to a character, uh, intention, motivation, all that sort of stuff is there. And uh, it's pretty amazing. But uh, I want to switch gears, finish off here on our last question and talk about something. We were actually talking about something earlier in the show. I wasn't. <laughs> Uh, our our engineer, the old man, was talking with Mr. Green about it. Uh, ASMR. It's, uh, you're you're a big fan of it, but I and I totally agree with you on this. You don't like the chewing. Yes. No. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like it's interesting because. Yeah, I don't know. Have you got like? Are you guys into it? Have you ever listened to it? Does it do I've anything to you? Some, I, I've I, I've never been a huge fan of ASMR, but I do think that the soft talking is much more soothing than hearing somebody going ah, and you know that's not fun. Yeah. yeah. No, my 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 wife is uh, she likes some of it, not all of it, but some of it. I, me, it doesn't really do much for me personally, but nobody likes anybody chewing. I'm sorry, like it's just I I. Who wants to hear that, right? She likes the um, uh, the cutting of kinetic sand and stuff like that. She likes that mm, one, yeah. You know, because it's that nice slow movement, and that one I kind of go, okay, maybe that's uh, that one's not too bad. But I like the brush doing the brush sound, the brush, there. yeah. But you know what's funny is where that came from for me, and it was almost like it was just so bizarre because I remember times in my life talking to somebody, listening to them. And all of a sudden I would get this shiver up my spine and I didn't know what it was. And I would just take note of it and be like, weird. And then, and I, I it started as a kid. And so when eventually I, you know, came upon ASMR on YouTube and people were talking about that, I was like, that's what it is. I was having this ASMR response to somebody talking. And I, I understand now, like some people have it more than others, but it kind of makes sense to me in that, like, especially being a dancer or a performer, like there's a level of like, you know, you're always so specific and you're heightening your, your senses all the time. We're always so aware of like everything that we're doing and touching and the sensation of it. Um, so I was like, this kind of makes sense. And it helps me go to sleep sometimes, you know? Well, there you go. It's all, it's, whatever, whatever helps you unwind, it's always a good thing. Definitely. The, well, this is yeah. it. You know, like I, yeah. I would say like the my ASMR is uh, not so much that kind of stuff. Like, I, I find uh, certain people's voices like you kind of what you're talking about. Like there are certain actors that I just I will listen to them read the phone book because I just I cannot not listen. Like it's yeah, draws you in. And it's like I am totally captivated. I don't care what you're talking about. This is amazing. You know, like, and that's, that's the one for me. It's like, you know, like, well, this week we lost Andre Brower and his Ugh. voice, his voice. Yeah. You know, like just, yeah. you know, same thing, James Earl Jones. Like there's a, there's a few out there uh, for me, but like that, those are really like, those ones are really helpful. So, but yeah, that's. I, and his comedy. I just, oh. I can't, I can't even, I can't get over it right now, but yeah. 
He's I, just, he was amazing. Watching some of the, uh, the nine, nine tributes where they do his, uh, Captain, Holt, Captain Holt bits, like the best of Holt. And I'm like, there's gold. All of it is gold. Whereas I'm the type of guy that could go to sleep with fireworks happening three feet beside him. I just, uh, really yeah. loud noises. I can just, I can just turn it off and go right down. Yeah, so. me too. I, I fell asleep you- at a party listening to, uh, techno in front of the speaker. Wow. Talk about your body being like, it's time to shut down. Are you able to like drink coffee and go to bed? I don't don't drink. I don't drink coffee. Okay. But I would normally say yes. Like I I used to drink a lot of pop, a lot of caffeinated pop. And I would just, I would do that like going to bed. And then I'm uh, no caffeine does nothing for me. I just, yeah. I'm a, I'm like a, I, I'm not bragging, but, and I, cause I know it offends some people, but I'm like a th- one to three minute guy when it comes to sleeping. I am under, like dead under. My wife, on the other hand, she's like three hours. Wow. Yeah. And the yeah. louder it is, the better it is. I grew up in a city, right? So I'm just used to car noises. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. I, I feel like that too, even as a, as a performer, like, you know, going a bunch of places and, traveling all the time, you know, to, to get to the destination. And yeah, I would, I would fall asleep in the craziest of places, right. but it's a skill or it's some kind of gene. I don't know. Right. It could be everything right now is all about a gene, you know, yeah. because even with coffee, they say that like, if you, if you don't have the gene to absorb the cap, the co- the, the caffeine, then you're good. Like it won't affect you. Yeah. So there you go. I just never got into the taste. Let's all go get DNA tested. Yeah, right. There we go. Like, Let's all get go DNA tested and you know figure out our bodies there. And uh, that's fantastic. I think we're yeah. going to do that right now. There we go. We've come to the end of the yeah. show. I want to thank you so much for coming on, Heather. Group for great DNA testing. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's our, that's our big thank outing. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Have yourself a great night. <laughs> you too. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. Bye. 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 So that was uh, Heather Laura Gray. Of course, you can see her work in uh, Monster High 2, which is available on Paramount+. Plus. Mr. Green, we've come to the end of the program. Oh, have we again? Damn it. Yeah, yeah, that's when you actually have to say stuff. Oh, I guess. All right. Uh, You know, as always, if you like what we do here, you can find more content at patreon.com slash geekard. For everybody who participates in that right now, we thank you guys ever so much. You guys are super amazing. Thanks. Absolutely. Additional bonus contents always available through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Yes, even Pinterest. Search Geek Card Show on any of those platforms and you'll find us there. Of course, check out our website, geekcardshow.com, for more news, reviews, and as you're listening to us right now, the podcast is available on Mondays. Check it out. But of course, if you're super forgetful, and I know you are, because I know I am, the best way you can hear us is to do what, Andrew? Subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. Beat the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify, wherever you catch your pods. While you're there, leave a five-star rating and review. Absolutely. And as always, if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can always email us, geekhardshow at gmail.com. I want to thank both Flora Lee Tiemann and Heather Laura Gray for coming on the program. For Mr. Green, the old man, and for you, Yuri, we hope you're getting better. This is Andrew Young saying, if you're going to geek out, you might as well geek hard on geekhardshow.com. Thank you for listening to Geek Hard right here on geekhardshow.com.